Can the church say praise the Lord? It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Let's make our webcast audience feel welcome to church in the balcony. We uh, have a few requests that we want to make mention of uh, so that we can put them on our prayer list and we can uh, begin to just pray about these situations. You know, the Lord is always uh, available. I'm glad that uh, it's not something we have to wait to a certain day, a certain time, or, or something like that. He's always available, and I'm glad that he is. So let's remember coming up in uh, December, we're going to be having our Christmas program. Christmas program sign-up sheet is on the back podium. Make sure you sign up now. Uh, the list is starting to grow a little bit, so we hope that uh, there will be enough to present uh, the Christmas program this year. Also, CAC homecoming services will be Saturday, October the 21st, 7 p.m. Sunday, October the 22nd at 11 a.m. Brother George Scott's going to be with us again this year. And he's excited about coming, and I'm excited about him being here. How many in the church is excited to hear Brother Scott again? Amen. Also coming up at the end of October, we'll have our trunk or treat. We will have it the same day that they declare Halloween, and we're not celebrating Halloween. We're not upholding Halloween. We're trying to give the community a different alternative. Now, some people uh, take the Wednesday before uh, Halloween and try to have something for somebody. We do it on that night because we don't want kids out here celebrating and uh, being in danger and all these things. We got a, a lot of dangers in our world, and we want them to have a safe place to come. So we will be celebrating on Halloween night, uh, not Halloween again. So in case anybody's watching by way of webcast or ask you why we have trunk or treat, we have trunk or treat because we want our kids to be in a safe environment on that night and still have some fun and still have something to do. And I think the adults have just about more fun than the kids do. Uh, because we, uh, we have our trunks and our trucks and all that uh, fixed up and have an inviting way. And we would like to remind everybody to keep it a, bib a biblical theme. And that way everybody will be inviting someone with the word of the Lord. That will be on uh, Halloween night. And uh, I assume it's probably going to be Tuesday, October 31st. May or may not be. Uh, but uh, that will be from 6 to 8 p.m. Also, Harvest Time Crusade, Friday, November the 17th, 7 p.m., Brother Buddy Puckett, Saturday, November the 18th, 7 p.m., Brother James Chesser, and Sunday, November the 19th, 11 a.m., Brother Michael Maupin. So we're excited about Harvest Time Crusade. And uh, then we have our Christmas program on the 10th of December at 6 p.m., and also our New Year's Eve celebration. That's always a great time to come and sing and worship and praise the Lord. And that will be Sunday, December 31st, 9 p.m. to midnight. So keep that in mind. It falls on a Sunday this year. Let's remember all of our prayer requests. And uh, we want to remember, I will mention the last 10 of these. Uh, let's remember Sister Pam Bartley. Let's remember Sister Debbie Ratliff's mom. Uh, Brother Ray Sawyers fell and broke his shoulder. Let's remember him in prayer. Uh, Pete Sensel, Stephanie Sensel, Selena Bright, Stacy Dotson, Leo Lander. Uh, let's remember Sister Tito. Uh, she is in ICU at PMC. 
and uh, they're uh, doing dialysis. They're, she's on a vent. Uh, she's got a lot of things going on, but we serve a great big God. So let's be praying for Sister Tito. Uh, let's remember Mark Smith and Angie Smith. And also, uh, we need to just remember all of those that, uh, that we made mention of in the past. If you have a prayer request you'd like to make known by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. He knows what that represents. Let's just ask the Lord to bless the Sunday school lesson this morning. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here together in your precious name. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way, that you would touch each and every one here this morning, that we would receive your word, that we would be blessed by your word, that we would be edified by your your word. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that is not able to be here this morning, that whether they're sick in body or whether they had some hindrance that hindered them, I pray that you would just uh, remove the hindrances and let the rocks be moved out of the way and let the pits be filled in so that they will have a level place to make it to your presence. Lord, I pray that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that has a need as we give you the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. And we want to uh, get started in our lesson this morning. If uh, you didn't pick up a bulletin, be sure to pick a bulletin up as uh, we want you to uh, uh, get a little inspiration, know a little bit about who's sick, also know the upcoming services. So bulletins contain all of that. This morning we want to talk about Solomon. We want to talk about what we really should ask the Lord for. This is not just a leader thing. This is a, this is a saint of God thing. We should want to ask God for wisdom. A lot of times we spend all of our asking for healings, deliverance, provisions, jobs, money, all those things when we really should just say, Lord, give me wisdom that I'll know how to do what I need to do for you. So looking at 1 Kings chapter 3, and uh, I want to begin reading in verse number 5, 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse number 5. And um, as we all turn to that and we bring it up on the screen, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse number 5, in Gibeon, in Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God, God said, ask what I shall give thee. Now, what would any of us, and we'll talk about this a little later, any of us ask if God said, ask me one thing and I'll give it to you. Whatever you want, just one thing. And Solomon said, thou hast showed unto thy servant David my father great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father, and I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. In other words, we call all of these men, will understand this, we call them a greenhorn because they don't know what they're doing. When you, a green hat in the mines, if you wear a green hat, everybody that sees that hat knows you know nothing about mining. So everybody tries to look out for you. And uh, so uh, he was a novice. He was, he was not uh, skilled 
at being able to lead. So he said, I'm but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked for life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment, behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart. So there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. He liked what Solomon asked. And then he said, I'm not only going to give you wisdom. I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. And you see, if we ask for the right things, we might get a little extra something we didn't ask for. So I'd like to just talk about asking for the right stuff. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you. We give you honor. We give you praise. And Lord, we know that you're able right now to touch each and every one, that our hearts would be turned to you to ask what is needed and what is something that would bring honor unto you. And we know that in asking for wisdom to make right decisions in our life, that you will also give us even more than what we ask for. And Lord, we're going to give you the praise and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap. And you may be seated. Now, I, I was thinking about this and uh, looking at how important it is that uh, we do not find ourselves in our prayer life always asking for stuff. Always asking for stuff. I need another job. I need more money. I need uh, this to happen. I need that to happen. Uh, when we really need to really focus on what is important, you can have stuff and make terrible decisions. You can have stuff and make decisions that will cause you harm in your family, in your life, in the church. I mean, there's all sorts of things that we could go into this morning. And I would like to just say this. We need to pray for wisdom of how to do everything we need to do. What can I do right, Lord, with my family? How can I make right decisions among my children? How can I make right decisions in my home? How can I make right decisions when it comes to a workplace? How can I make right decisions when it comes to my own life? And that's what Solomon wanted. He wanted the wisdom to make the right decisions among God's people because God's people were so many. They, he couldn't number them. They were many. And he was just, he considered himself, even though he wasn't a child, we think of children as little kids, he wasn't a child. He was, uh, he was one that 
uh, began to just uh, say, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like a child because children are not experienced, right? Uh, that's why we should never let children tell us what to do because children got a lot to learn. <laughs> children have a lot to learn. You know, everybody says, okay, when a, when a child gets up about 12, 13, 14, 15, they know it all, don't they? They know it all, but they know nothing. They might know it all, but they know nothing. And, and so you begin to look around and you say, well, you know what? They need to learn how to make right decisions. You start teaching your children. When you get a job, you don't go out and spend your money. Everything you make that day, you don't go out and spend it, you know, and then wind up saying, what am I going to do tomorrow? And that's the way some people live their life, unfortunately. They, they get their money, whether it's work or retirement or some other way, and then it's like they spend it all, and then it's like, now what am I going to do? What am I going to do now? I don't have money for more food. I don't have, uh, you know, uh, stuff that I need. Uh, so now what am I going to do? You see, we need to ask for wisdom, how to even spend the money that God gives us. We need to ask for wisdom, how to spend uh, every dollar. Lord, should I buy this? Should I not buy this? You know, uh, I, I've never been one that tried to outspend my income. And uh, it's just my personal teaching of when and learning when the Lord, uh, you know, began to instruct my dad from an early age uh, to instruct me. Uh, he, he began to instruct me in this way. Uh, whenever you do a job, do your best. Whenever you do a job, do something that somebody will be pleased with so they'll ask you back. If you have a job, don't quit a job till you get a job. I mean, there was a lot of things my dad taught me that really proved out in life. He knew what he was talking about. I've never understood the mentality of, well, I'm going to quit this job because I don't like it. And then you're unemployed for six, eight weeks, maybe three months. And uh, then uh, you start suffering with your finances and your bills and all the things. And then, uh, you know, you go find a job and somebody says, well, where'd you work last? Well, I worked at uh, so-and-so's last. And, and then they call so-and-so and they say, well, he ain't worked here in three months. Well, what have you been doing in three months? Well, laying around the house, you know, taking it easy, drawing that unemployment check, you know. That unemployment's a good thing for people that get unemployed, but it's not something you're supposed to ride like a horse. You're supposed to use it wisely, right? And, and if, if, if you can understand anything I say today about Solomon, apply it to your life today. Solomon asked for wisdom. He wanted to know, what can I do to make right decisions? I want to make right decisions among God's people. I want to make sure I'm not doing things just because I want to do them because I don't know how to lead. I don't know how to lead these people. But when we start looking at the way that we were brought up, uh, sometimes the older generation, and, and you know, uh, I think we was talking about the good old days uh, Wednesday, and the good old days ain't really the good old days because good old days was times of hardship. Nobody had any money. Everybody was suffering. 
there was the depression in the nation. So nobody was working and not everybody was starving. It was just a bad time. If we think for a moment because we live in America of abundance that that can't happen again, wake up. Wake up. Uh, because we're, we're, if things continue as they are, that's where we're headed again. We're headed the same direction. But with that said, people of the older generation began to be very wise in how they handled what they got. They began to make sure that, uh, you know, there was a few things they took care of. They took care of a roof over their head, and they took care of food on their table. Now, many times people would make clothes and, and their kids would wear homemade clothes. Uh, I think about the story of Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton was raised in a poor family. And her mommy made her a coat of many colors. And uh, that she, made, she wrote a song about it. But it's a truth. They had nothing. They had nothing, and she wore it, and she thought that was the most beautiful thing she ever had in her life, and people made fun of her and made fun of her. And so I began to think of how that sometimes if we're not careful, uh, you know, we will think that, that our kids have to have everything that is name brand, everything that is right, because we don't want them made fun of. Well, I'll tell you what, I wore a lot of, of off-brand clothing when I was growing up. I didn't wear Converse tennis shoes that cost, I don't know, back then probably $25. I wore red ball jets. I wore sisters' hands-me-downs. <laughs> I wore their sneakers. Uh, you know, people would give me stuff. And uh, we wasn't dirt poor, but we didn't have extra money to go and do these things that most people did. So we got new outfits at at the beginning of school, we got uh, two or three new outfits. That was, uh, for me, a pair of pants, a shirt, you know, new shoes. And you get about three outfits, not three pairs of shoes. You might as well pick you out a pair that goes with everything, every color and every flavor, because you're going to wear them black shoes with brown clothes, and you're going to wear them black shoes with uh, white pants, you're going to wear your black shoes. So uh, that's the way it was. But today we feel like that somehow... We have to give our kids everything they want. Everything they want. They want this. we got to give it to them because we didn't have it. And we think that somehow because we're giving them stuff we didn't have, it's going to make them a happier person. Solomon had everything at his disposal. Remember, his dad was king. So he didn't grow up in a poor household. He didn't grow up suffering. He didn't grow up wanting in fact, he probably never wanted for anything in his life. But then it comes to where he's ready to lead, and the first thing he asked for was, I need wisdom. I need to know how to make the right decisions among God's people. Because God's people are your people, Lord, and I need to know how to tell them what to do. When they come to me for questions, I need to have answers God can speak to us many times through ministry and ministers. Many times the preaching of his word will give us the answer that we need. Sometimes it's not something you have to ask and say, Lord, I, I got to go talk to somebody about this. Maybe listen to a message 
And maybe that message is going to tell you the answer you need. The wisdom we need is the wisdom from God. We need the wisdom from God. We need to know, like Solomon, we may have things at our disposal, but we still need to know we're a small child. We don't know if we're left to ourselves. Now, uh, you know, it, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fess up. <laughs> Everybody say, fess up. Fess up. When, when the UPS man knows your name, FedEx guy knows you on a first-name basis, maybe you're ordering a little bit too much. Now, I know no, nah, no, pastor. I found a good place to buy stuff. Well, you know what? $10 here, $10 there. Next thing you know, it's $100 here and $100 there. Oh, I found this on sale. I got to buy it because it's on sale. And you buy it. And you know what? That 20% off might sound good and look good. But soon, if you buy 10 items that's 20% off, you may have two or $300 in your buggy and three or four items. So you got to be wise. You don't go out on vacation when you can't even make a house payment. You don't. You, you, don't, you don't buy your kids' name brand clothes when you're struggling to put food on the table. This is all good teaching because we need to understand how to have wisdom to utilize everything the Lord has given us. Some have been given a lot. Some have been given some. Some have been given little. But ever what category we find ourselves in, we got to say, Lord, you have put me in this place for a reason. Help me to make the right decisions with what you have given me. I could take us back to the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents was one that began to let us know that what you do with what God gives you is so important. Make right decisions. You don't have to have a lot to please God. I'm glad we don't have to have a lot to please God. He don't care if you got a lot or if you got a little. He don't care if you have money that you could burn or you have money that, that you're trying to figure out how you're going to buy your medicine and food at the same time. Right? People are in those conditions. I mean, we're living in a world like that. We're living in a world that's actually suffering with decisions of what do I need to do to make my checkbook balance? It's easy to make it balance if you have wisdom. Now, I, I, I always hated balancing a checkbook. Uh, you know, it, it was always something I hated to do. It just uh, was, I hated to sit down and get that statement, go through everything, write it down and balance it out and say, yep, right to the penny because it never comes to the penny. Because you'll write down a check or something that is... Uh, 42 cents, and you'll write down 44, or you'll do something to get it off. And then you go through it three or four times, and three or four times, and you keep going over it. And then finally you find that two cents <laughs> that you couldn't figure out where it was at. So I think that sometimes we all understand that. Everybody here, I'm not speaking to nothing but the choir, right? I'm, I'm just preaching to the choir because we all have been in that position. Uh, I've, been, I've been in positions where I had no money. I've been in positions where I had money. I'd much rather have money. 
<laughs> right? I've been hungry. I've been hungry. I remember in college, I, I've got a good friend of mine lives out in Somerset, actually, near Corbin. And uh, I talked to him uh, off and on. Uh, if he hadn't taken me home uh, for the weekend to feed me, because he knew I had no money, if he hadn't taken me home to feed me, who knows where this preacher would be right now. Now, I'm not saying I would have starved to death. I'm saying I might have turned to a life of crime. Because when you get hungry enough, you'll do what you got to do to eat. Right? Even we read this in the scripture. This ain't nothing new. They would go in and eat the showbread. They weren't supposed to do that. But we was hungry. We was hungry. So hunger will drive you to do things you normally wouldn't do. That's why the Bible says don't hunger after the world and all these things. But hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. That's what we got to hunger after. If we don't hunger after the right stuff, we're, we're going to be following the wrong path. But all of us have been there. All of us have been in a place where we had plenty and we didn't have plenty. Uh, I, I use myself as an example because I... I you know, can't get mad at myself. But uh, I, would, I would look and, and I would see everybody buying double wides. Back when me and my wife first got married. Oh, this one was buying that double wide. This one was buying that double wide. Oh, this one was buying that. So we said, we got to buy a double wide. We got to buy a double wide. So we went out and we started looking at double wides. And we started looking at the price of double wides. Twenty nine 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 five. And so for 30 years, here's your payment. And I said, 30 years? And I was just probably 21, 22 at the time. 30 years? I'll be 50-some years old when I pay that off. Woo, that would have been a young man. <laughs> so we didn't buy it. You know why? We didn't have the finances to back it up. Coal mining was my occupation. Sister McKinney had not yet finished college and become a teacher. So we were in a place where if the mining industry, and they did this quite often, they would lay off. You'd work a year, get laid off for three months. Work for two years, get laid off. Every time UMWA stroke, uh, strike, uh, you know, began to come out on strike, so did the non-union quit working. Uh, so so it, was, it was just seemed like it was just one thing after another. You couldn't get ahead. About the time you get ahead, then all of a sudden, here's your pink slip. Go sign up on unemployment. So it just seemed like that, uh, and, and I tell this because uh, this is not something I'm proud of, but I, I, I tell you this because I want you to know this preacher's been through some stuff, and I know what I'm talking about. When my daughter was born, we had no insurance. We had no money. We had nothing. I'm literally saying nothing. And I never will forget that the woman at the uh, food stamp office looked at my wife and said, Honey, when is your baby due? And she said, uh, I don't know, last September, 1st of October, whatever it was, due date. And uh, she said, what are you going to do? She said, what do you mean what am I going to do? She said, how are you going to pay for this baby? How are you going to, 
how are you going to have a baby and you all ain't got nothing? And, and she just kind of teared up and said, I don't know, we'll do something. We'll figure it out. And she said, you come with me. And if it hadn't been for the hand of the Lord back then, who knows where we would be even today. But somebody knew how to help us in the hour of need. And uh, so, yeah, Leela was born, didn't cost us a penny. We paid for it the rest of our life, but it didn't cost us a penny. You see, true people that need help, people don't care to help them. But if we waste our substance in riotous living, no wonder the older brother got mad. Right? Uh, he's always been favored. He's the baby of the family. He gets everything. I know none of y'all has ever said that about your little brothers or sisters. They always get everything. You favor them. You buy them this. You didn't buy me that. I mean, I could go down the list. <laughs> so so what, what are you saying, preacher? I'm just saying that Maybe we give the older brother a bad rap and he shouldn't have had that attitude. But you know what? Maybe he saw enough of favoritism and enough of, of giving that young man everything again after he done wasted everything that he just got upset and said, well, why give him? He'd just go out and waste it again. First time he gets mad, he's leaving like a lot of people. First time they get mad, they leave serving the Lord. I tell people all the time, you don't quit church. You quit Jesus. And the first time they get mad, they're out of here. And then you see them and they're back doing their old sins or going to the same places, drinking, partying, back with their old friends. And, and you wonder how, I wonder, how can people just do that? How can, how can your experience with the Lord be like a light switch? I just turn it off today and I'm gone. No, you've been backslid for a long time. Amen. This is good teaching this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost in it. So we all understand that um, when you look at life in general, it is uh, something that is difficult to navigate. I laugh at our young married couples. Because they don't have a clue uh, what they're in for. I tell these young couples that have babies, your life is changed as you know it. <laughs> it's just me and my wife, and we're out, we're going here, and we're going there, and we're doing this, and we're doing that. Now, <laughs> we need another box of diapers. Can you go to the store? We need some more formula. Well, we just bought a case last week. What did she do with it? Drunk it. <laughs> Babies eat. So, you see, sometimes people don't understand, and, and they are like a child. They may be adults, but they're like a child when it comes to managing their life, managing their money, managing uh, you know, there, there's churches that bring in uh, money management people just to teach the congregation how to manage what you have. 
And that's a good thing. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying that's a good thing. Because, you see, sometimes if we're not careful, we will be like Solomon. We'll say, I'm just a little kid. I'm a little child. I don't know how to make the right decisions. But, Lord, if you will give me the wisdom, I will make the right decisions among your people. Now, God's offer to Solomon was simply this. Ask what you will. Now, I want to bring us all back full, full circle of what we talked about earlier. If God gave you one wish... No, he's not a genie, but if he gave you one thing, what would you ask for? Would it be, Lord, I want to live to, I'm 172 years old. I don't. <laughs> the pain in my body right now, I couldn't imagine what people 100 are feeling or 90 are feeling. So, uh, yeah. Pastor's knees swelled up that big, his back's killing him, and all this, and neck, I can't turn it no farther than that right there, and all that. But you know what? I'm here, and I'm going to keep praising the Lord, and, and I'm not going to let pain stop me, and I'm not going to let arthritis, uh, you know, stop me. I, I've got I to gotta serve the Lord, and i got to know how to come to church and how to, you know, I can, I can, I can work. And do everything and get so exhausted and so much in pain that on Sunday morning I could look at my wife and say, Honey, you tell those people I love them, but I can't be there this morning. I could, really. And it would be legit. It wouldn't be no made up, I feel bad this morning. No, it'd be legit. I could take off any Sunday of the month and it'd be legit. But why would I want to do God that way why would I want to do God's people that way that's why sometimes when I'm not all cheery you know I'm really in a lot of pain pain will make you have a short fuse <laughs> pain will make you have uh, you know uh, reasoning skills that are not so good I mean you you just sometimes find yourself in a in a bad place but that's when you're in that pain, you got to say, Lord, I need that wisdom. I need wisdom. Have I done everything right as, as pastor? No. I wish I had of. I wish I could stand here and look at you and say, I, I, I counseled everybody right. I've done this right. I've done that right. But none of us can say that. Because we make mistakes. That's why they're called mistakes. If it wasn't, it'd be on purposes. Things that aren't mistakes are on purpose. So with that said, Solomon said, I need to know how to make right decisions among your people. That's the only thing I want you to give me is wisdom. He could have asked for money. I believe God would have given it to him. He wouldn't have been the king that he was. Uh, maybe, maybe even worse than what he was. Because uh, his life wasn't perfect either. Um, you know, he could have asked for long life. He could have asked for the enemy to be slain no matter what battle they went into. I believe God would have said, okay, that's what you get. But Solomon knew one thing. I can live without riches. I can still live to fight another day. I can still fight the battles that are before me 
But I can't do it without the wisdom of God. God, give me wisdom. Now, when he was subject to the will of God and our asking or his asking was the right, with the right motives, he asked for wisdom. Whatsoever ye shall ask, and look at what this in John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14 says. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Jesus gave us the same option that Solomon was given. Ask and you shall receive. But be careful what you ask because sometimes we don't get what we ask for because we ask what? Amiss. We ask for the wrong stuff. We want it on our benefit. Lord, give me this. Give me that new job I want. I've had people say, Pastor, you got to pray about this new job I've been offered. I believe I can come to church more. No, that didn't happen. They come to church less because the job took up more of their time. You see, if we're not careful, we want things to benefit. Everybody wants to make a living. Everybody wants to feed their family. Everybody wants a roof over the head. I don't know anybody in the right mind that says, I sure hope I'm broke the rest of my life. I believe people in the right mind would go pick up pop cans if they had to feed their family. They would be taking scrap metal to the scrapyard to feed their family. I believe that we need to understand that Solomon's respond, uh, response to God was with selfless humility. He looked at the Lord and said, Lord, I just need wisdom to make the right decisions among your people. I need to know how to give the advice when someone comes before the king. I need to know how to respond. But Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything. Now some people say, okay, he said anything. So Lord, make me a millionaire. Lord, I'm waiting. Lord, I'm waiting. <laughs> Lord, I'm waiting. No, I ask amiss. I don't need a million dollars. I wouldn't know what to do with a million dollars. I know what I'd do with it. I'd spend it. <laughs> I probably wouldn't spend it wisely. I'd probably want a home in Florida, home in Tennessee, home in Kentucky. I'd probably want new cars, new trucks. I'll tell you what, a million dollars don't go as far as it used to. <laughs> I remember when we first started working, Brother Keith, in, in coal mines, and I was in my 20s, I'd hear them older guys say, when I make my first million, I'm retiring. 
it was unreachable in the coal mines at that time, wasn't it? It was just, it was just something unattainable. You, a working man would never make a million dollars in his lifetime. Now people will. They will. Some people make $100,000 working in the coal mines. Some people make more. Some people make less. But, you know, you start counting it down. All you got to do is work 10 years making $100,000 and there's a million. I'm a millionaire. No, I'm still singing. I'm a poor, poor rich man. <laughs> Solomon responded the way that we should respond when talking to God. We should never be one that just wants to spend our prayers on ourselves. Lord, I, Lord, I, Lord, I. Don't spend it on yourself. Maybe you can just say, Lord, give me wisdom of how to treat others. He's given that to you in his word, right? He says, love everybody. Love your enemies. You got to be good to them that persecute you. You got you to be good to those that you don't like. But Lord, give me wisdom of how to do that. Because it's easy said, harder to do. But the Lord said, ask anything you want. No limits, no boundaries. But there was something within that confines that has to meet up with the will of God. Because God never operates outside His will. I want to say that again. This is powerful stuff, very deep. God never operates outside of His will. His will will be done. So he never operates outside his will. So if you ask for something and he knows if he gives it to you, it's going to destroy you, your family, your church life, he's not going to give that to you. Now the devil, on the other hand, he don't care what you ask for and what the repercussions are. Lord, I need this job. Well, the Lord may not give it to you, but the devil may open the door and say, Hey, come over here. You're going to have to miss church, but it's a good job. You got to work. Uh, you, you're not going to be able to, to you know, have time with your family to help raise your family, but you're going to make a ton of money. Let me tell you something. When the family unit falls apart, the church falls apart. When the church falls apart, the world falls apart. It's all predicated upon the family. And that's why we must understand the most wisdom that any of us can have is I have got to raise my family in the fear and admonition of the Lord. I have to show them that God is God. I have to show them that the Lord is our help. I have to show them that when they get in a hard spot, they can pray through. Oh, somebody help me preach this morning. So subject to the will of God and our asking with the right motives, we are given essentially the same promise that Solomon was, but we have to have the right motives. Brother Jimmy, just because you want a new bass boat don't mean God's going to give you one. I 
I'm, I'm just going to say, uh, well, you went deer hunting. Uh, so just you want a new bow or a new gun? Don't mean God's going to give it to you. But what, what does it mean? It means that, that the things I ask for, I need to focus on the right things. And God adds those things to me. First seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things shall be added unto you. Amen. I, I am a firm believer that every one of us this morning have more than we need. How many goes to a full refrigerator, opens up both doors, freezer and refrigerator, and looks in and says, I can't find nothing to eat. And, and you just, you know, got a, a red toe because everything's falling out on you. Or you open the, the cabinet and you start going through and you're digging through the cans of the beans and the beanie weenies and all these things. And, and you look all the way to the back and, and there's just food everywhere and you're just saying, I ain't got nothing to eat. All of us are blessed above and beyond measure. And I'm thankful for that. And if I can just ask for the right stuff, if I can just seek Him with the right attitude, if I can pray for the right things in my life, I'll never have to worry about a can of beanie weenies. I was preaching that one time in Tennessee, and I was preaching about the beanie weenie aisle. This guy come up to me the next day. He had a gift-wrapped present in his hand. He walked up to me and he said, Pastor, I want you to have this. He said, I hope you don't get offended. And I hope that you like it. But I just felt I need to buy this for you. I went back to the hotel room. I tore into that. I thought, man, it's a, it's a shirt. It's a tie. It's man, ooh. No, it's a case of beanie weenies. Case of beanie-weenies. And you know what? I'm thankful for them. God will supply all of our needs according to His riches and glory. We just got to learn how to focus on the right stuff. If we focus on the right stuff with a selfless humility, something that we look at and we say, Lord... I'm not asking for myself. I'm not asking for riches. I'm not asking for honor. I'm just asking to make right decisions. And that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to that in the church. It comes down to that in our families. It comes down to that as us as individuals. We've got to make right decisions. It can't be decisions that we make just because we want to make them and just because we can make them. Just because you can do something doesn't mean it's God's will. Sometimes we have to pray, Lord, is, is this your will that I buy this, do this, go here, go there? Lord, is it your will? I want to seek God's wisdom in every area of my life, my thinking. Amen. Amen. Do you believe God likes for people to see His blessings on display in their life? 
I believe he likes to show the enemy, that's my child. That's the reason they're blessed. I believe he likes to show us off in a world that is so messed up. He likes to show the, the, the people that he calls holy and he calls righteous. And he likes to show them off in a world and say, this is my child. I take care of them. When the going gets tough, I'm there for them. When they're struggling, I'm there for them. When they're climbing that mountain, I'm there to help them up the rough side of the mountain. Solomon knew this. Solomon had seen enough from his daddy that he knew you got to talk to God. I think one of the things we're missing in our world today is teaching our children to look to God when they have a need. I think we, we've taught our children, we taught our children how to ask for advice, but we haven't taught them how to pray. We teach our children how to go to someone, teacher, coach, whatever, and get advice, but we don't teach them how to pray. You know, that's the number one thing we should be teaching our children is how to pray, how to talk to God. Because one day you're going to be gone. One day you're not going to be around. And they're going to be in the midst of a dilemma. And they're going to have to make a decision. And you want them to make the right decision. So you're going to say, I hope I've trained them up. So that when they find themselves in a place, a hard place, a, a difficult place, uh, maybe a dangerous place, that they can call on the name of the Lord and talk to the Lord. And get direction in their life. Wisdom is a commodity that is priceless. Wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. That's Proverbs 8 and 11. Wisdom. Not money, not prestige, not honor, not positions. Wisdom. Wisdom. That's the thing that we need to understand. God will not give us wisdom in the measure he did to Solomon for he himself declared there would never be another rival to Solomon. But he will give us wisdom. We may not have it to the extent that Solomon had, but God has given us a promise. Oh, it's a great promise. To be uh, to be the source of wisdom in our lives. He's given us that promise that when I don't know the answer, I can call on Him. When I don't know how to respond, I can call on Him. Hallelujah. When I don't know what to do, I can call on Him. I shouldn't be sitting and just falling apart at the seams, not knowing what to do. Where do I turn? What do I do? Now what? Have we ever said that? Now what? What am I going to do now? I worked with a guy, and uh, he eventually came to this church, gave his life to the Lord and, and uh, all of that. But I worked with him, and he would look at me, and every five minutes, what am I going to do now? If something didn't work immediately, what am I going to do now? I said, we're going to keep going. He said, you know, Try to get a boat broke on a wheel unit and it, it uh, not break. What are you going to do now? 
I'm, I'm going to get the torches and I'm going to heat that boat. What are you going to do if it don't work? I'm going to try something else. What are you going to do now? Sometimes that's where we're at in life. We don't, we've got to so messed up in our journey that we don't know what to do. The answer is always still the same. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be open. Seek and you shall find. There's something about that it is timeless. It is not something that just is here for a certain group of people. It's here for all of us. If you need wisdom... Seek wisdom. It's better than rubies. It's better than money. It's better than anything. Oh, if I just had more money. No, you need more wisdom. Right? Right? So wisdom comes from the Word of God. We got to understand that a lot, you know, uh, me and my wife was in a discussion. I think it was yesterday. We went out to eat and we were just generally talking. And uh, we were talking about uh, some people in the Bible that uh, the, the priest got up and, and the people in charge got up and all they did was read the law. They didn't preach it. They didn't yell it and tell it. They just simply read it. And the Bible says the people broke down and wept. You know, we think that if somebody ain't jumping the pews and crawling in the floor and doing flip-flops, that we ain't had no move of God. I want to tell you something about this right here. This right here beats the theatrics. It beats talent. It, it, it beats any program. It beats anything. And we, we don't even have to do what we say preaching is yelling it or telling it. People says preaching's yelling it and teaching's telling it. So all you really have to do is just read it. When's the last time you read a word and you began to weep? When's the last time you opened up the word of God and read the word and it broke you? And you realized, I'm not where God wants me to be. That's what happened to the people. They heard the word being simply read, and they were broken. They cried. They wept. Then they was reassured. You see, the word of God is wisdom. Everything you read of ever how anybody responded, if it turned out good, that's the way we should respond. If it turned out bad, we should learn from that and not do that. You see, sometimes we just need to read the Word and say, you know, instead of what would Jesus do, what am I going to do? That's what we really need to ask. What am I going to do? Am I going to read the Word of God when I got a question, when I'm up against the, uh, the wall, when I feel down and out, when I feel overwhelmed? Am I going to go and simply just... Read the word and find some encouragement and wisdom? Or am I going to be somebody that just simply says, Well, I don't know what to do, which way to turn. I'm in a difficult situation. I want to respond to God. 
Because my response to him is all that matters. And if I respond to him in the right way, everything else works out. It's a difficult situation sometimes we find ourselves in. I'm not playing it off. I'm not saying that everything that, that you go through is light. It's heavy. I don't care if it is something little. To, to you at the time, it's huge. Right? I don't believe anybody goes through anything, Brother Dwayne, and it just be a little thing, and they say, ah, oh, that's just a little thing. No, at that moment, it's huge. It's big. It's, it's the awfulest thing they've ever faced. And that's where wisdom comes in, that we just look at them and say, God's bigger than that. Oh, I'm glad to know God's bigger than my problem. I'm glad to know that God is bigger than any situation that I'm faced with. No matter how difficult it gets, God's bigger. The situation as presented seems almost like an impossible one. They, Solomon was put to the test immediately. This is what I want you to understand. You ask God for something, you're going to be put to the test immediately. Solomon says, give me wisdom. I want to make right decisions among the people. Here comes two women. <laughs> we want to see the king. Okay. What's wrong? Well, we got this dead baby here. So now uh, we got one live and one dead. And the live one is mine. She laid on hers and killed it. And the other one over there said, no, uh-uh, uh-uh. She's lying to you, king. The live one's mine. She laid on hers and killed it in the night. That's when the bad things happen in the night, your night seasons. So now Solomon's put to the test. Who's right and who's wrong? Who's the mama of this child? Lord, I'm glad I asked you for wisdom because... I surely would have looked and said, well, that looks like she's telling the truth. So he said, bring me a sword. I like to take that as a top and shadow. Every question you have, every problem you have is found with the sword. Bring me the sword. What are you going to do, king? I'm going to cut that baby in half, and I'm going to give half to you and half to you. And the real mommy, because this is how you understand wisdom from God. Wisdom from God will let you get the right answer. Wisdom of God is not a hit and miss. Well, I thought that was the right thing to do. I thought that was God's will. No, you got to know God's will. Because you're going to get in trouble if you don't know God's will. But here's, here's why. Okay, uh, give her the baby. I don't, I don't want you to kill that baby. Give her the baby. You know what Solomon said? Take that baby from that woman and give it to her. It's her child. Why? She didn't want it to die. She didn't want it to die. The king's wisdom. Now, some of us, I just say some of me. Some of me would have looked and said, well, now let's see. I know your family and your family's a good family. I know that you probably wouldn't lie about something like that. And then I'd look at the one whose baby it was, and I might look at him and say, I don't even know you. You might make the wrong decision and somebody die. This is why it's so important that before anybody ever says, I quit God, 
Remember, it ain't just you. Your family's going. Your family's going. Your family's going. Your friends are going. You've got a group of people that think a lot of you and they're going to follow you. So don't backslide. Don't backslide. Make right decisions because one wrong decision can create a death trap for somebody. Solomon make the wrong decision, that baby's dead. Now they're not only a grieving mama. You know, these women, these women wasn't respectable women. <laughs> Sometimes we think everybody mentioned in the Bible is these pristine people. You'll read your Bible. There's a bunch of ungodly folks in there <laughs> doing ungodly things. So I want to close with this. I see our time is up, so I want to close with this. Ask for the right stuff. God will take care of everything else. Ask for the right stuff, and God will take care of everything else. Isn't that a great thing to know that I can ask, and everything else will be taken care of? Amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. Amen, amen. We're going to turn the Sunday school back over and you can tell them in the back that they can, uh, they can make their way in the sanctuary. But uh, we want to turn the Sunday school over and uh, kind of transition, have our birthdays and our anniversaries and uh, just uh, have a good time of celebrating one with another. I'm glad to come to the house of the Lord and meet with God's people, our family. It's one big family. And, uh, and, and I'm glad that we can come and meet and just experience a great move of God and, and encourage one another, edify one another. Read the bulletin today, and if you're not edifying somebody, maybe you need to pray about that and say, Lord, help me to build somebody up. Help me to encourage somebody, because somebody needs you. Amen. Ask for the right stuff. Brother Dwayne. I feel like Brother McKinney owes me a shoe shine because he, he steps all over my shoes. But but that's what we need. That's what I desire. That's why I come here, ain't you? Oh, yeah. Amen. Because that's what he's talking about. I didn't come here for somebody to look, Brother Dwayne, you know, lift me up. You look good today. And I don't need nobody to lie to me. I want somebody to tell me the truth. Amen. And the word lifts me up. The word encourages me. Amen. That's what I was thinking as he, as he was preaching and teaching this morning. It's a reminder. Didn't he tell them? He told them, told the children of Israel to write it like frontlets before. It's talking about your mind. Sometimes we got to be reminded because Satan will boggle your mind. Amen. And I'm glad for a family that will remind you every now and again. Get up and shake yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. We got any birthdays or anniversaries this morning? Anybody getting any older? I promise it's better than the alternative. Anybody want to give to the Lord?
all know what these are. Y'all want? If y'all want to see anybody, get. Uh, let's see. Y'all want to see anybody get pied? I done told them if it happens, I, I prefer lemon. Brother Jim's going to the ATM machine. Yeah, not today. She's not prejudiced, is she? <laughs> How many's glad for the word of the Lord? I mean, truly glad for the word of the Lord. I am with you. It encourages me, it lifts me up, and sometimes. I have to be reminded, amen, what the Word of the Lord says. And not just what it says, not just be a hearer, but doers of the Word, amen. Psalm 61, I'm just going to start at verse 1. Psalm 61 and verse 1 says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. This was David. The Lord gave me this this morning. It says, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. No matter where I'm at, let me not forget what's important in my life, amen. Who's important? When my heart is overwhelmed, yes. saints of God, there's no shame in being overwhelmed. Right. If David was overwhelmed, I'm going to be overwhelmed. Amen. Right. If the, the preachers and teachers are overwhelmed, we're going to be overwhelmed. Right. But saints of God, we can't forget, amen, who is the deliverer, no matter what you're going through. He said, lead me to the rock that is higher yes. than I. Amen. Yes. One more place I want to go to, Proverbs 18 and 10, I like this. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. Listen to this. The righteous, they don't just walk. Amen. They don't just mosey along, but it says they run into it and is safe. Amen. Let me know. Teach me, Lord, where to run. Teach me where to go. Amen. When my burden is too heavy. Amen. Teach me where to look. David said he looked into the hills where his help come. He said, my help cometh from the Lord. Amen. How many is going to run to him this, this morning? How many is going to run to him today? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's lift him up.
Because my heart is full and my soul is free. In my weakness, you had a plan for me. Now I sing the song angels cannot sing. I have been reborn, I have been redeemed. And I can't stop singing about your love. No, I can't stop singing about your love. Jesus, forever you will be more than enough. And I can't stop. No, I can't stop. Oh, 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 yes, hallelujah. Can't stop singing about him. Amen. When you lose your praise, you're going to lose your life. I'm going to say it again. When you lose your praise, you're going to lose your life. Because God inhabits the praises of his people. And without God, you're dead. Without the breath of life, Adam was just a human being laying on the ground. But once the breath of life was breathed into him, he was raised up, became a living soul, was alive and well. When the Lord entered into the upper room and filled the 120 in the upper room, they were just bodies up there. But all of a sudden now they have the Spirit of God in them and they begin to move in power. They begin to move in authority. They begin to move in anointing. And that's why when we come to the house of God, we can't just patty cake with Jesus. we got to say, I'm here by the authority of God. I've got the anointing of God. I have the power of God. I've got the Holy Ghost. I'm alive and well. He didn't say we was a bunch of dead rocks. He said we're lively stones. Anybody lively in the house? Anybody ready to praise the Lord? Is anybody ready to lift your voice? We ain't there yet, but we will be. Amen. We have to look and we see that there's several on the prayer list. Sister Pam Bartley, Sister Debbie's mom, Brother Ray Sawyer's also, Pete Sensel, Stephanie Sensel, Selena Bryant, Stacy Dotson, Leo Lander, Sister Tito, Mark Smith, Angie Smith, all the others that we have on our list. All of you that have a prayer request just by the raising of your hand. Now raise the other hand. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice.
storm come up the east coast just this past week one of the things they were talking about is the tide that whether the 
winds are coming in from the ocean toward land makes a big difference than the winds that are taking the ocean away from the land. If it's coming toward the land, better known as, uh, you know, flooding and different things like that, but high tide, in the time of high tide, it'd be great flooding take place. The song says, they say, the tide will never change. Now, the world ain't going to encourage you that things are going to be different. Even the devil sitting on your shoulder right now ain't going to tell you that things are going to be different. In fact, it's just going to be the tide ain't never going to change. There's never been a storm. I want you to listen to me. There's never been a storm that the tide has not changed. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care what the doctors have said. I don't care what your family has said. I don't care your family history. I don't care your family background. I don't care where you are right now. I'm going to tell you the tide is changing. It doesn't matter. The storm is not here to bring it all in like a flood. It will also change the tide. And people right now on the East Coast, they're praying for the tide to change. You see, the thing that we got to understand is nature is God's creation. We are God's creation. And when storms come against us, it's not there to destroy us. Sometimes it's there and we go through the flood. We go through the flood. But the flood can't overcome us. You ought to read your Bible. It's a fascinating book. You go through the fire, but the fire cannot harm you. Everything I read in the Bible, nobody should ever be discouraged at your situation because God is bigger. God is greater. God is good. God is your Savior. God is coming to your rescue. The tide is getting ready to change. But it's easy to fall into the condemnation of self. My prayers go nowhere. God doesn't listen to me anymore. And then the devil starts making you think, is God even real? I'm here to tell you God's real. And if you know God's real, you ought to have your both hands in the air right now. If you know God is real right now, both hands in the air and your mouth open beginning to praise Him and lift up that name. If you, if you don't even know how to praise God, just say Jesus. If you don't know how to let the inners out and all of the things that's built up over the week, if you don't know how to let it out in praise and honor and worship, just say Jesus. Because that name is higher than any name. I can speak Jesus and demons flee. I can speak Jesus and sickness has to go. I can speak Jesus. 
Don't ever let the devil tell you the church is nothing but a weak bunch of group of club members that we just take membership and hope that we just live a good life. No, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's power when you speak his name. There's power when you shout his name. There's power. If you want power in this house, somebody ought to be shouting the name of Jesus. I know. I know the devil's beat up on some of y'all. I know. I'm just going to be honest with you right now of what I feel the Lord's revealed to me. Some of y'all been beat up on all week long. Some of y'all are so cold right now that you can't even feel God. You're wanting to, but you can't feel Him. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's at this moment, this time, you're at an inflection point. You either, you either say, Jesus, or you'll walk out of this place and never want to come back. I'm going to speak things to you spiritual, and you ain't used to that. But I'm going to tell you what Jesus says. I'm going to tell you that if we don't right now just believe that Jesus is big enough to take care of our problems, we will perish in our problems. We just need some word. Right here's the word. Why sit we here till we die? Lepers said... If we sit here, we die. If we go into the city and they kill us, we'll just be dead anyway. So it really don't matter. So what they were saying is, I'd rather try something and die doing it than to not try it and die. Somebody ought to say, if I die, let me die on this battlefield for the Lord. If I die, let me die in this army of the Lord. If I die, let me die fighting the good fight of faith. If I die, let me die believing that Jesus is my healer. If I die, let me die that Jesus believing he can do all things. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Are we the church of the living God or not? Somebody ought to be praising him. Somebody ought to be shouting right now. My God is bigger. My God's bigger than my anger. My God is bigger than my emotions. My God is bigger than what I'm going through. My God will get me through this valley. He'll help me climb this mountain. God help us. God help us that we think that somehow you're going to move in the midst of people that are content in just patty caking with you and calling on your name saying we believe in you when really we don't. Lord I say unto you I believe that you are God and you are able to do You're more than a conqueror. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. 
I'm going to run, not be weary. I'm going to run through a troop and leap over a wall. I'm going to run into the name of the Lord because it's a strong tower. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying if we don't start believing God, we're going to look at people dying, passing out, dying right beside of us. I saw death in the eyes of one person here today. I'm just going to be honest with you. I could call your name, but I won't embarrass you. But I looked and saw death in the eyes of somebody that's here today. You're on your way out. That's right. You're, you're, I'm not going to say you're that close to backsliding. You're backslidden. Pastor, you shouldn't say that. Would you rather them die without anybody saying Jesus is, sees where you're at and he's going to help you? Would you rather just let them walk out of this building and say, Well, Pastor McKinney didn't say nothing to them, so now they're dead. I'm going to tell you, you know who you are. You know who you are. This altar right now is for you. Lay down pride. We don't care. If, if you want the camera cut off, I'll cut it off right now. Because you're going to die if you don't get to this altar. Lord, I told them your word. I've given this from you. You've never misled us. You've never lied to us. And when they die, we're not going to take joy in it, Lord, but we're going to take joy in knowing your word was revealed here today. didn't let somebody off the hook I'm going to tell you that that did not let somebody off the hook Walk into this room. Walk into this room. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. When you walk into the room, every heart starts burning. And nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you.
ready to sing. We're going to ask our ushers to come. We're going to take up today's offering. Give us the Lord blesses you, and I know that uh, there will be nothing lacking in your life. Uh, I've proven the Lord. He said, prove me. Is that what he said? He said, prove me. So, you know, sometimes you got to prove the Lord. You just got to say, Lord, I'm just going to try it out and see if it works. He said, prove me now herewith and see if I don't do this. 
He said, if you're faithful in your tithes and offerings, he said, I'll open up the windows of heaven. I'm going to pour you out blessings. They won't be room enough to receive. Amen. I don't know about you, my basket's running. Jesus, bless each and every one that gives. Bless them, Lord, and show that your word is true. For it's all in your mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. I was, uh, Pam and I went and visited uh, before Sister Tito uh, went in the hospital this last time. We was down there and she was talking about this song uh, and uh, wanted me to sing it. She said, actually, if she ever passed away, she wanted me to sing this song at her funeral. And, uh, but in honor of her today, I hope I never have to sing that song for a very long time. But I got to thinking about that song today, and uh, that's what's on my heart to sing. And she wanted it sung this way. <laughs> and Pastor and I was talking before service, we was talking about uh, some of the song services that we had heard recently, and and we were talking about how that it just didn't seem to connect to, at least to us. I guess we're just old-fashioned. There's something about these old songs that just get me. I, I can just remember back in time, Brother Tig Rowe leading services. And it would be something like, some glad morning when this life is o'er. Woo! Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. you know, we don't hear that anymore. Right. We don't have that same feeling. We don't have right. that same emotion. We don't feel the same thing. All right. In some way, we've got to find our way back. Some glad morning I said some glad morning When this life is
If you're looking for better days down here, I'm going to tell you there ain't no better day than to be in the house of the Lord. Because there ain't no good days out there. I'm going to tell you, when you look at the word of the Lord, you find that this world is going to get worse and worse. Right? How many's read your Bible? Give a hand clap of a, if you read your Bible. Because I know that... Uh, the Bible gives us inspiration, revelation, and uh, 
I believe that there's going to be something happen here in the Word that's going to change your life, whether I yell it or tell it. Because I believe that the Word of God is powerful all by itself. It don't need my help with theatrics. It don't need your help. It's powerful all by itself. How many believe that? It's powerful all by itself. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 7. Verse number 1. We're going to read down to verse number 7. And uh, then we're going to comment on a few more things because I think that uh, we need to find something here today. Anybody ever lost your car keys? Did you give up after five minutes trying to find them? You looked till you found them? Or you went and had some new ones made? Right? So either, either you're going to find something today or you're going to get something new made in your life today. Romans chapter 7, verse number 1. Know ye not, brethren. By the way, it's good to have uh, Sister Megan, Brother Zach, and family in tow. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, I was just uh, happened to look back and, and see, and you all are doing something that should be done, and that's to raise your children in Sunday school and church. Amen. God bless you for bringing that child here this morning. God's been so good to you, too. He's, uh, Zach, I knew you before you was born. <laughs> And I say that not as a joke. We actually did know him. And, uh, and uh, there's just things that our life has been intertwined with, bud. And I'm just so glad you're here. And uh, so glad that you are, are with Megan. And, and Megan's fine. Baby's fine. Auntie's fine. Auntie's. Bring that baby up here. Bring that baby up here just for a moment. Because, you know, we, we got we to gotta look at that baby. And we got to put our approval up on that baby. You know, that is one beautiful baby. I'm going to tell you what. And uh, she's going to grow up. I, I, I best let you. <laughs> but she's going to grow up, and she's going to do some big things. She may be a singer like her auntie, and uh, she's going to be a praiser and a worshiper. Because she's going to be raised in the house of God. And that, that's a great thing. Because these little kids that's being born in this house, they're not, just, they're not just little kids running around. They're going to be worshipers and praisers. And uh, they're going to be doing great things for God. So we just want to pray right now for this child. And Lord, we know that you're able right now to do great things in this life's child, in this li child's life. I just pray, Lord, that you would move for her parents. I pray that you would move for her family. And let the goal be that she will always be in your presence and know what it's like to be in your will. And Lord, we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give a good hand for that beautiful baby. And I'll, I'll just go back here and shake dad's hand and mom's hand. So glad you're here and so glad everybody's doing fine. So good. Glad you're here. Oh man, I'm telling you what we got. Gunman, we got all sorts of people coming up. I'm telling you, we just never know what's going to happen here at 
um, CAC. I just want to take time to do that because I appreciate our folks here that uh, have children and want them in the house of God. You'll, you'll find no better place. If your child is not here today for some reason, and, and they should be, uh, I want you to t- have a talk with them when you go home and tell them how good God's been and how good God's been to the, you and your family. And if you will do that, it may change their outlook on what God is and what, uh, what God's going to do for them. Romans chapter 7, verse number 1. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. The, for the woman which hath a husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loose from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. That's the word of God, isn't it? But if her husband be dead, she is free. Everybody say free. Free from that law, so that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ that ye should be married to another. Everybody say, I died, but I also got married. How can a dead man get married? Well, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin, everybody say, the motions of sin, which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. The motions of sin brings death. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Verse number 7 is where we want to close and get our title from. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, it is not. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For if I had known, I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. And I just want to... um, Speak to us this morning something that I think will be a help to us because uh, I want to find a law, a law that works. Look at somebody and say, I want to find a law. Find a law. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. We're thankful, Lord, that you have allowed us to be gathered here today. Thankful, Lord, for all of these babies and all these children and all these parents that have brought their kids before your presence. I pray, Lord, that you would surround every parent and every child and everyone in this building today with your presence. I pray that we will leave here knowing that you have moved in the midst, that you have moved among us, that you have touched our minds, you've touched our hearts, you have blessed us above and beyond measure and I pray Lord that you would help us to find that law that when we would do good evil is present with us help us to find that to know that the evil is just right at the door knocking but Lord we have you as our help and our hope and we give you the praise in Jesus mighty name amen amen let's give the Lord a mighty hand clap
And you may be seated. If you drop down to verse number 21 of chapter 7, it says, I find then a law. He found a law that's still effective. He found a law that's still working. We're living in a world that's trying to change the laws of our land. They're trying to change the right for citizens in the U.S. to own a firearm. They're trying to change the law of what you as a parent can do with your children and what you can't do with your children. Now, I know that we're living in a small town in East Kentucky and we're kind of sheltered sometimes from the big city problems. But it's coming home. And we've got to be ready with the Word of God to know that we can't play around and expect to be standing when the times get tough. We've got to know that there is a law that is given in the Word of God that begins to say, when I would do good, evil is present with me. That's a law that's in effect for you. It's a law in effect for Paul. It's a law in effect for me. If you don't understand this one law today, you will be tripped up by the evil around us. If you don't understand this one law, that when you would do good, evil is present, evil is right there, then you will not delight yourself in the law of God. If you don't understand what danger you are in with the just one step in the wrong direction you don't understand the law of God if you don't understand that there could be today one thing that you decide you're going to do and you don't care who knows it and you don't care who stands against it I'm going to tell you evil is right there and you're in a dangerous situation but when you understand I'm going to delight in the law of God because the same law that says evil is with me is the same law that keeps me. The same law that says the world is going crazy is the same law that says I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. The same law that says hallelujah the enemies and the heathens of the world are going to be before the judgment seat hallelujah on eternity when it's when it begins I want you to know that the same law is the law that's going to be read and looked at you and looked at me hopefully all of us in this building and we hear him say well done thou good and faithful servant we need to find a law that works a lot of people says we need to change some laws because it's not working. People says we need to change our judicial system. It's not working. We need to defund the police. It's not working. We need to change the, the bail reform and, and let people out. You know they released a person the other day, a murderer that wasn't supposed to get released. We need a law. I'm not talking about looking and saying, well, you know, we need to change the law. If we'd only keep the laws that's in the U.S. today, we'd have a better country already. You don't need a new law. You just need the law. You don't need a new word. You just need the word. You don't need a new... 
vision. You just need to know the vision of them that was willing to say, the law of God taught me what sin was. The law of God showed me what lust was. The law of God showed me what it was to covet. We need to find the law. The law that says, when I would do good, evil is present with me. He said, but I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law. Oh, he said, I, I, I want this law. I find a law that helps me, but I see another law. What's this other law? It's, it's in my members. It's warring against the law of my mind. Everything about you is law. Now, some of y'all look at me like, that's the craziest stuff I ever heard. I ain't never heard nobody say everything about me is the law. There's a law about you. There's a law your brain can't get no bigger. Or your head's going to bust. There's, there's a law that says that, you know, after a certain age, you're going to quit growing. There's a law. Everybody say, there's a law. There's a law that says... You know, when babies are born, they got some stuff instinct with them, and, and mamas have some mamas' instincts. A law. Everything about you is a law. You can only jump so high, <laughs> you can only run so fast. You know why there's a law that governs you? I don't know why other people can jump higher, I don't know why other people's more talented. I don't know why other people can run faster. I, I, I sit and wonder about these things, but there's a law. He says, I see a law, another law, that is warring against the law of my mind. Even your mind has a law. I only want to think about Jesus. I only want to think about his word. I only want to think about going to church. I only want to think about how he loves me. Oh, oh, how he loves me. Oh, I want to think about the good things. I want to think on the things above, not on the things below. I want to think on these things. There's a law in your mind. And he said, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He began to talk about there's a law, a law that's warring against him. He's found the law. He found the law that when he would do good, evil's present. But he also found the law that was warring within him. All of us have that law going on. It's warring against our mind. It's trying to bring us into captivity to the law. Even sin has a law. Where would we be without laws? People would walk in this church and just take your purse and take your billfold and take keys to your car and you couldn't do nothing about it. Without laws. Without laws, you know what? We, we would be doing some strange stuff. We'd be immoral without laws. How many believes we'd be immoral without laws? We, we would be ungodly without laws. We, we'd be animals 
We'd be just like animals without the law. But Paul said, there's a law that when I would do good, evil's present with me. So evil's always going to try to war against you. But notice it's not that the evil with him is the problem. Notice what the problem is. It's not the evil that is present with him. But the other law is the law that wars in his mind. Our battle's not what is beside us or around us. It's not because they're issuing... By the way, Sister Kim Davis was ordered to pay $100,000 to a gay couple. That ought to disturb you. We went and saw her release. That wasn't the end of it. Because why evil is present with me? There's always this law that I'm doing good, but so is evil right here. But with that understanding, that don't destroy me. It don't destroy me they're changing the laws of the land. That don't discourage me every marriage license that's issued to a gay couple. That don't bother me when Washington, D.C. passes something that's plumb crazy. But what does bother me is when the law of my mind starts getting war and battles and things begin to happen within that begins to tear you down and me down. It's in your mind trying to bring you into captivity of the law of what? Sin. Everybody say sins after me. Oh, we like to say your mercy's running, running after me. Right? You know what else is running after you? Sin. You better not stop and catch your breath. You better keep running. Sin is at the door. One scripture says sin's at the door. What's the door? It's, it's the entrance of your heart and your mind. Sin is right there warring and wanting. It's right, it's present. You're not going to get rid of, you're not going to live so righteous that you don't look and say, huh, there's sin right beside of me again. Evil's right there. I'm going to tell you something. Don't look at the person sitting beside of you, but kind of just look at an empty space and say, evil's right there. Why? Because we're doing good. How do you know you're doing good? You believe in one God? <laughs> oh, I wish I had a little help in the house. If you believe in one God, you do well. Right? Well, now, you know, the theologians and the scholars and all these people in my family and some other churches, they see it a little bit different. Big deal. Don't change the Word of God. Evil's present. But when that evil starts warring in my mind... And the evil starts getting into your mind, your thinking. Sin doesn't happen just because it happens. Nobody just shows up and says, I couldn't help it, it just sin. It starts right here. I want you to know every thought that is sinful, if not extinguished in the presence of God, turns into an act of sin. 
Nobody murders somebody and then says, oops, I didn't mean to do that. Started up here. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. <laughs> it starts up here, right? Everything that bothers you is not because Brother Larry's sitting on the front pew in an orange shirt. I think he looks nice, man. I'm getting competition. I'm going to have to step it up a time or two. Him and Brother Eli messing with me. It's not because the choir didn't sing your favorite song. Oh, I'm getting somewhere. I'm stepping on some meat toes right now. Brother, I'm going to have to get me a shoe shine box. <laughs> oh, I can tell you, start wearing steel toes to church. Let me tell you what happens. It's not the things that happens in the service. They didn't sing my song. They didn't preach my sermon. They didn't get excited. They didn't shout. They didn't run the aisle. No, those are all things without. But what destroys each of us is not what is without, but what is within because once the law of sin starts messing with the law of my mind, it's going to be a battle. Who has the strongest law? Is my mind thinking on the things of God? Am I a person that the Bible says that you got to love the Lord with all of your mind, soul, and strength? Is, are you that person? If you are, give the Lord a mighty hand clap. Come on, give a mighty hand clap. I like to say this. If we're not careful, we'll let the things on the outside that can't harm us get on the inside where it can harm us. The battle for your mind. We used to sing them old songs. I got my Foot on the rock and my mind's made up. Though I walk through the lonely valley, though I drink of the bitter cup, though the devil comes a-knocking, showing me an easier way. You don't have to do what Brother Richard says. I got my... And my mind's made up. I stand right square on my feet. I look him straight in the eye. say, my... Foot's on the rock and my mind's made up. What, what, about, what about others? Got my mind, got my mind on Jesus. Remember that old song? My mind, my mind, my mind's on Jesus. <laughs> I woke up this morning with heaven on my mind. Or what it was. Glory down in my soul. Oh, I love that song. I wish somebody knew the words of that. <laughs> you know why? Because those songs begin to talk about your mind. Me and Brother Keith were talking. Me and my wife was talking. I've seen a lot of fakery in our day here lately. A lot of pretentiousness. 
a lot of performance. A lot of people that want to be entertainers in the pulpit. A lot of people that want to be entertainers in singing and praise and worship. And then when they're done, they flip a switch like you would a light switch and their joy and their shout and all of that goes to nothing. Here's how you tell if somebody's got the real Holy Ghost. If you're not involved in leading a service, you still should be worshiping in a service. That's how you know if you got the Holy Ghost. If you're not the one behind the pulpit, you still should be the one supporting the one behind the pulpit. If you got the real Holy Ghost, I got that Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible says, I've got that Holy Ghost down in my soul. Just like the Bible says. You see, we got to understand that the war is in our mind. And that's where the battle's going to be fought in these last days. The last day mentality is either you're going to say, I'm going to stand for Jesus and let the world go by, or you're going to be one of these people that just says, I'm not going to live for Jesus anymore. I've got too much living to do. I find then a law. When I would do good, evil is present. Always going to have trouble around me. Always going to have situations around me. There's going to be family do things. There's going to be people do things. There's even going to be church folks do things. But that ain't going to change my mind. Somebody say, I got my mind made up. Got my mind made up. Brother Larry, I believe your mind's made up. I don't, I don't believe Vietnam changed your mind. I, I don't believe cancer changed your mind. I don't, I don't believe anything that's happened in this world around him has changed his mind. He's still in the house of God and he still loves God. The battle in your mind. You listen to me, young people. No wonder Paul said to let no man despise thy youth because youth has a way sometimes of not really taking serious what older preachers are trying to tell you because they think that you got it figured out and you got an understanding and they just don't know what they're talking about. They're old fogies singing them old songs and let them get their 55 group and above and then they can have their church and we'll have our church. Unfortunately, that's what some churches do. Shame on them. We ought to be able to dance with the young dance with the old. We ought to be able to minister to the teens and minister to the old. We ought to be... Oh, oh, pastor, you just don't know. You got to get progressive. Well, go buy you some insurance. Some of y'all going to get that. Go worship flow. And Jamie, I don't know who the other characters are. But you know what? The war is right here. Because the war is for your attention. Let me tell you something. If your attention in the house of God is not on what's happening up here, I'm going, I'm going to tell you something. Attention is your mind. And the battle is for your attention. If the devil can get your attention and distract you in the house of God, you'll leave unchanged. 
unmoved. But sometimes we just, nah, pastor don't know. He's mad at somebody. He's trying to preach on somebody, and he just, he just don't know. We don't know who he's preaching on, but we'll figure it out later. There's a battle. I'm going to tell you, I'm preaching to every one of you, not on you. I'm preaching to you because there's a battle for your mind. And if we're not careful, this will be, got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. And all you young people act like you don't know what that song is. You know what it is. You do. So sometimes that gets on our mind. You know what? That that vies for our time. It wars against the law of our mind. Because preaching is not profitable. Being honest don't get me nowhere. Being Being righteous just gets me made fun of. No, I tell you what, I'd rather be a pauper. I'd rather be poor. And I am poor. I ain't rich. I ain't got everything I've worked for and everything my wife's worked for, we work for. Ain't nobody going to stand and point their finger under my nose or my wife's nose and say, we gave you this and gave you that and you'd have nothing and be nothing without us. We work for it. By the grace of God, we are what we are. Equal opportunity employer means that everybody in the room's got a chance to make it in life. Oh, no, I I just didn't have a chance, Pastor. Yeah, you did. You had the same opportunity I had. I'm going to tell you something. This law, I'm going to close with this. This law, this law. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil's present with me. But I delight in the law of God. I delight in the law of God. I'd like to say that there's a law that makes me happy. There's a law I delight in. I want in my life. Somebody says, I don't want no law in my life. We're living under grace. Grace is still a law. You think that Thou shalt not kill is thrown out the wind. No, it's still a law. And it's still under grace. See, we don't, we don't understand that because it, it wars with our mind because we, we had a bunch of self-righteous people that said, we ain't living under the law no more. Well, amen to that. But there's still a law you're living under. The law of Christ. Read your Bible. Anybody ever read the law of Christ? Amen. Christ has a law. We should love one another. That's a law. Why are you trying to do your brother and sister in? I don't live by laws. You're going to die. Because I tell you, the lawless eventually die. If you think for a moment going 75 mile an hour in a 35 zone is a good thing. 
Sooner or later, you're going to meet something or you're going to make one wrong steering move and you're going to be dead. Without laws, we die. I need the law of God in my inward man. I need to delight in the law. I need to delight in the preaching. I need to delight in the Word of God. He says, but I see another law. And what it's doing, it's warring against the law of my mind. Which law is going to be the strongest? I'm going to tell you, the one you support. The law of your mind cannot be touched by the war that has come against your mind. If the law of your mind is stronger. How does it get stronger? Prayer time. Word time. I'm going to tell you something. If we don't stick our nose in the word, it's not just for the preachers. And some preachers need to stick their nose in the word more. It's not just for the preachers. It's for the saints of God. We got to read it. So that somebody stands up here and says something, well, that's his opinion. No, you got to say that's the word of God. I can preach against hell and you can say that's the word of God. I, I can preach, you know, hell's real and, and heaven's real. And I can preach against a lot of things. And I can say, you know, worldliness is worldliness and godliness is godliness. And you can't say, well, that's your opinion. It's the opinion of the word. So this war's going on and we all got to fight. It's in your mind. Right now there's a war in your mind. The war is right now raging. Against the law of your mind. Do I keep my mind on Jesus? Am I going to go pray after a while? Am I going to worship when the singing starts again? Am I going to do what I need to do to get closer to God? Or are you going to let the law that's warring against you win the battle? I find a law. You need to find a law. I want to delight in the law of God. I'm not afraid to say that the law is still in effect. No, we're not going through ceremonies. You don't see me bringing no lambs and goats and turtle doves to church. Because that, under that law, that was the ceremonial part. We're not under that anymore, but it's still wrong to, to slay your brother. It's still wrong to do your brother wrong. It's still wrong to talk about your brother. It's still wrong to murmur and complain. It's still wrong to covet. It's still wrong to take the name of the Lord in vain. Amen. Honor your father and your mother so your days will be long. I believe the graveyard's full of people right now that was dishonorable to their parents. I want to close with this as the singers come. You need to find a law. You need to find it today. You need to find the law of God. If sin is revived in your life, it's going to be because you let sin in your mind. Because the law of sin is warring against the law of my mind. What I must learn to do is find a law that is stronger than sin. I've got to find a law that when I'm doing good, I'm going to keep on doing good. I've got to find a law that's going to keep me in my valley. Nothing going to come out of the mountain and destroy me. 
I got to find a law that says I'll never be discouraged to where I give up. I'll never be overwhelmed to where I can't call on his name. I'll never be in a predicament like the three Hebrew boys or Daniel in the lion's den without knowing for sure there's a law surrounding me. There was a law surrounding Daniel. The lion couldn't cross the law. I want you to know the fire couldn't cross the law. I want you to know that there is nothing can cross the law to get to your mind, your heart, and you unless you invite it in. I find the law, it works. I've been serving the Lord for many years. 1981, do the math. 40, 42 years? 40, I don't know. If I had a calculator, I still couldn't get it. Let's just say over 40 years I've been serving the Lord. I found this law works. It worked from day one. There's laws of God that works in my life. There's laws that says if I'll be faithful to Him with my finances, He's going to supply every need according to His riches and glory. There's a law that says if I'll give Him my best, He's going to give me His best. There's a law that says if I draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to me. There's a law that says when I would do good, evil's present. But you know what? I want you to look at evil right now and say, wait a minute, I've got a law that's going to keep you out of my life. I got a law for my family. I got a law for my spouse. I've got a law for my house. I've got a law. This church has a law. It protects these young kids. It protects the teens. It protects the adults. We got a law. It's called the Word of God. And as long as you let that be what you are surrounded with, it don't matter how much evil's around you. You step out of this building, you're going to be surrounded by evil. But there's a law that says you're going to be all right. You're going to stand righteous and holy, pleasing unto God as they sing. This altar's open.